What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I was joined by one of the best lifters in the world. Now, I don't care if it's male or female, Daniela Mello is one of the best lifters in the world currently, and we had a really fun discussion about a lot of different things. Uh, I had to open up the conversation with the change of weight classes, uh, potentially new IPF weight classes for females at 76 kg. I'm ignorant to the issue, and she kind of shed some light on it, the implications of there being a new weight class. Also, of course, talk about her start in powerlifting, how that boosted her confidence, uh, just getting into fitness and transitioning that into powerlifting, and she compared the two with body image and just competing out on the platform. Uh, talked about her competitiveness, the epic battle between her and Amanda Lawrence at IPF Worlds in 2019. Discussed her future. She hasn't been on the platform in a while, and Corona's been messing everything up, so future meets, future plans for her. We got into pet peeves that powerlifters do and that somehow transition into loose buttholes. I don't know what happened, but it happened, and it was really fun. We also discussed her legacy, what she'd like her legacy to be, and how she already accomplished her legacy already. And, of course, we finish off the episode with Word Association. So, very fun episode with Daniela Mello. But before we get into that, i got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and use promo code 2WL10 for any of their merchandise. I love all their apparel. You know I like my baseball tees, my fanny packs, my tank tops, my dad hats. They have two white light gym banners, and they are going up at gyms, and it's really awesome to see. And they exclusively sell those gym banners. You don't get those on 2whitelights.com. You get on Leflar Bros. So if you go on that website, use promo code 2WL10, you will get 10% off of your order, whether it be a gym banner, t-shirts, tank tops, dad hats, uh, beanies, it's starting to become fall, I don't know where you guys live, it might get cold, it's hot as hell over here right now, but use that promo code 2WL10, you will get 10% off of your order on leftlarbros.com. Also, go to rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15, and get 15% off of any supplements you desire, whether it be brand chain amino acids, pre-workout, protein powder, mass gainers, any merchandise they have, use promo code ANGELO15, you will get 15% off of your order. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear out on the platform and in the gym. If you guys want to save some money, get yourself some stoic gear by using promo code ANGELO10 and you will get 10% off your order. Also, go to twowhitelights.com. Check out some of the merchandise we have. We got two white light shirts. Show that you listen to the show. And we also got some other shirts that I just wanted to make because I thought they looked cool. And since you made it through the ad reads and show introduction, go on iTunes, hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star rating, and leave a review. Also, give us a follow on Spotify because we're available on both platforms. And here it is, two white lights. And as promised, I got with me via Zoom meeting in Miami, Florida, much nicer than where I'm at right now in Woodridge, Illinois. I got with me, so seriously, one of the best competitors I've ever had on Two White Lights. Daniela Mello, 84 kg lifter. Her accolades are too long to list, so I'm not even going to do them. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Not bad. I introduced you as an 84 kg lifter. I am ignorant to most rule changes. Um, I'm actually a very selfish lifter as well because I only care about things that affect me. Um, so, so I got to ask you, I introduced you as an 84 kg lifter, and there's a proposed uh, weight class change for female lifters to 76 kg. And from my understanding, that affects you. So can you share with me how that exactly affects you and, you know, like, where, what, is, what are the benefits of having that weight class change? Yeah, so I didn't even know that they were doing this. I found out because King of the Lifts invited me on their podcast to talk about it. He was like, hey, come on to the podcast and talk about this new weight class with me. And I'm like, what new weight class? And he's like, 76. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. So 
I have been wanting to drop down a weight class for a really long time. And I was planning now during this whole quarantine and since there aren't really any meets going on, I'm like, this is the perfect time to do it. So I was planning to go 72 and then I heard about this 76 weight class and I'm like, well, (laughs) that sounds way better than 72. (laughs) So yeah, I think hopefully by the next time I compete, I will be in the 76 weight class if it's official by then. It's nice to know that you were just as not informed as I was into it because I have a powerlifting podcast and um, yeah. like I, I should probably you know keep my ear to the floor on a lot of things and I don't I, I don't I'm I'm very bad when it comes to that so it's good to know that the person who it actually affects wasn't even paying attention either but yeah I yeah. I could imagine because <laughs> uh, when we see because the difference between it is seventy two to eighty four correct for female lifters yeah yeah that's ridiculous. Re- I've always saw that. I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. And such a huge gap. Yeah. And when I talked to lifters, like, um, I had Jonathan Keiko on great, uh, great competitor. And he was telling me like of what it takes to just put on weight for him and to keep that weight. And I'm like, shit, that sounds much worse than cutting, like trying to gain weight, like trying to put all that weight on. And I was thinking like, there's, there's a definite imbalance there of, needing to gain that weight and keeping that weight on and this kind of being I wouldn't say miserable but it takes a lot more effort because for a guy like me all I got to do is eat and I'm just 82 kg like it's it's pretty easy like my my whole nutrition diet thing is quite easy I'm I'm pretty lucky in that regards but a guy like him needs to eat a lot um and also had some like pre-existing medical conditions that he has to eat a lot to stay at uh 93 but then I look at the female competitors like they got to do that too because they can't be in between 72 and 84. They either got to cut, which sucks, or you could equally have a sucky experience with nutrition and diet if you have to compete at 84. Right. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a good thing uh, to hear that there's going to be a, a middle ground that and it's logical too. It's about time there's a rule change that's logical in the USAPL and IPF. I love when they use logic. I agree 100%. Whenever, like... Everyone is upset about this new weight class situation. I said no one's upset. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, they got, uh, they, yeah, they got the approval from male and female lifters alike. Yeah, because then I think they're, so they essentially, like, split the 72 kilo class because then they're making either a 68 or a 69 kilo. Mm -hmm. Um... And when I was on the King of the Lifts podcast, I was with <clears throat> Kimberly Walford and Kristen. And Kimberly Walford was like, I walk around 69, so this is no brainer for me. And Kristen was like, I don't mind eating more, so that's a no brainer for me. So it just, yeah, it just works out. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty good news right there. All right, so got to ask this with every guest that comes on, and especially someone like you who's transitioned their fitness into powerlifting but other forms of fitness as well, and created a quite a large online personality. How did you get your started in fitness, and then how did you start transitioning that into powerlifting? So when I was, I was 15 when I started going to the gym, when I stepped into a gym for like the first time. And I was really, really overweight. I was... So I'm 5'5", and I think I weighed, like, 220. It's a big girl. Um, And I just had (laughs) had some really unhealthy eating habits and just habits in general. I was a couch potato. I didn't do anything with my life outside of school. And I did play sports in high school. I played volleyball. But, you know, like during the volleyball off season, I wasn't doing anything. And also my volleyball coach didn't really take our conditioning side seriously. So I really wasn't doing that much exercise. And honestly, one day my brother just walked into the house and he was like, you have a session with a personal trainer tomorrow. I made it for you and you're going. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. (laughs) So I went and I can't remember exactly what we did. All I remember doing is a fuck ton of lunges. And when I tell you that I could barely walk for like two weeks, like I couldn't go up and down stairs and it absolutely terrified me. 
my brother was like, you have to go back. I'm like, I am never going back. Like, are you crazy? I almost died. I was being a drama queen. And then my brother even gave like the personal trainer my number and he was like texting me. He was like, come back. Like, we have to work out. I'm like, no. So eventually I decided to go back. And then when I went back the second time, I don't know what happened, but I was just like hooked and I became a total gym rat. I was obsessed with going to the gym. It was like all I thought about, I would be like sitting in math class, like in high school. I'm like, okay, gym time, let's go, ready to go. Um, And so that was my life for like about a year, over a year. And I ended up losing 40 pounds. So now I was like in the low 180s. And then around, yeah, like then when I was 17, I just turned 17, I started going to a different gym. And the gym was owned by this guy who was like into the powerlifting scene. And there were a few powerlifters there. And just being around those people, I was like, I want to try this. You know, I always knew that I was pretty strong just naturally. And I thought, I was like, I could be good at this. And the first time I ever tried deadlifting, I pulled 315. Like super easy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, yeah. And the first time I tried squatting, I squatted 315. It was high as shit. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was high. Yep. It was high. <laughs> so I was about to say, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Because I was, because I had, um, not, I mean, not the similar experience, but like, you know when you you just know you're kind of good at something? Yeah. It, it's, it's literally, you're a natural. You're a natural at things. And it was almost the same experience with like weightlifting for me because I was in the weight room when I was like 15 in high school. And they were just, they were testing our one rep maxes immediately. Like, we're not giving you an introduction on squat bench or, and we did power clean instead of deadlift. We're not giving you an introduction on that. We're just maxing you guys out immediately. And I'm like, all right, this is going to go terribly for me. And I squatted 225 and the coaches were like, what the fuck? He's like, he's 140 pounds and he just squat and he, and he like looked good doing it. I'm like, I guess I just know how to squat. I don't know. <laughs> how that works but uh but it wasn't the same with like bench i got stapled by like 95 pounds when i bench press no <laughs> and like the power clean i'm like what the hell do i do to this thing so i'm like what do i i'm like i saw other people do it i'm like okay i gotta figure this out and like i, I was able to get 95 pounds for my power clean too but it was nice. yeah but like i, I just knew i uh, knew how to squat but 315 is way more impressive even if it was high because I was being sarcastic, like, oh, it was high as shit, don't even count it. Like, <laughs> dude, you kind of just held 315, like, really not with a whole lot of experience. So that's, that's pretty cool. But continue. Um, yeah, and then I think, what did I hit when I first benched? When I first bench pressed with a bar, I benched 195. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. So let me ask you this, because I know from those years of, you know, 15 through 18 could be a really shitty time for a lot of people's lives. Has powerlift was powerlifting another source of like just boosting your confidence? Oh, 100 mm-hmm. Like not only notice changes in my body, mm-hmm. like obviously I was not fat anymore. <laughs> I was more muscular. I was like, man, I love this shit. Like, this is awesome. It just, I just felt <laughs> more powerful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it felt good. It was great. Definitely had a way more confidence when I started powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could, get, like, you could probably even compare the two. Just having your body image changing and your literal body changing and the confidence you get from that and also just on the platform too. So what, what was actually, like, more beneficial for you like getting on the platform at USAPL Raw Nationals and having people cheer after a deadlift or was it just the initial phase of like I lost a lot of weight and I look great now I think it was the initial phase mm-hmm. more than being on the platform because so then when I started competing I still had no idea what powerlifting was when I started competing mm-hmm. like the guy that owned the gym he told me, he's like, okay, there's um, a local meet in a few months. You're going to do that. You're going to win. And then you're going to go to Raw Nationals. And then you're going to win that. 
and then you're gonna go to Worlds. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. Like, let's do it. Like, I had no idea what it was. And you know, back then, back then, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but. Yeah, it was it like 2017, 16. It's like 2016, yeah. Okay, that's when I, that's when I started powerlifting, too. Yeah. Um, people, even then, people weren't, weren't sharing their lifts on Instagram as much as they are now. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I just didn't have as much access to that to the world of powerlifting than how it is now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even really see any powerlifters. Um, so when I, I remember when I was at Raw Nationals, I was literally just going with the flow. Like I was doing whatever he told me to do. I was like, okay, let's do this. And then people were coming up to me. I think I placed second in the open. I was a team, team two or team three. So I was 17. No, at Raw Nationals, I was already 18. So I was a team three and then I placed second in the open and people were like coming up to me. They're like, Oh my God, like you're so amazing. And I'm like, thank you. I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think actually, let me ask you this question. Cause you said you didn't know the world around you. And I, and I say this ad nauseum on the show, um, because you know, like that was initial phase for me. Um, I didn't start in the USAPL. I started in APF. And did almost the same thing. Did APF of uh, local meet, APF nationals, and APF worlds. And the competition is not as stiff, and it's not as much as complimented as you. But I remember going through that, like knowing a few powerlifters, but not really having an. I had no interest of being like a Instagram lifter or a YouTube lifter, even though I'm not. Like I had no interest of showing anyone my lifts ever. Just only my family and friends, really. I would share it on Facebook, and my mom would be like, oh, my God, you're so strong. Like, thanks, Mom. You're the best. And then other, like, my cousins would, like, you know, reply. And that was it. Uh, Now, I I love where the sport is going, but is there a part of you that, like, really enjoyed just not knowing the world around you? Kind of just being ignorant in powerlifting? Yes, 100%. I miss it so much. I remember just, like, my first lifting post on instagram was a deadlift pr that i had just hit and i think it was 420 pounds mm-hmm. and i'm like you know what i see people posting their lifts like fuck it i'm gonna post mine and that like got reposted and shared on a bunch of other pages and i was like okay like cool you know but i just like i miss that <laughs> just yeah not knowing and <laughs> Yeah, because I uh, when I said like the gratification of my first three meets were, was there, like that was really only time I felt personally satisfied with what I did, and then like towards me, uh, you know, get, like getting out or after like AWPC like Worlds in Naperville, Illinois, that's when I started getting on social media. That's when I started like checking out things. Then I'm like, ah, shit, I'm not as strong as I think. Not even close. And that, and then since then, it's always just been me progressing. You know, uh, I'm not going to self-deprecate too much right now. Me progressing nicely in the sport. Me always constantly like looking like, all right, I got to still do this if I want to reach my goal. And the goal gets higher, and then I realize that the satisfaction is is not near what it once was when I first started lifting because you know we all have social media now. Now, now I would say that social media provides a excellent use. I'm not going to be one of those people I'm like, man, I wish social media didn't exist so I could just lift in peace. I, I obviously benefit incredibly off of social media as I promote this goddamn podcast on social medias. So, but there, there is kind of a beauty to it. Like, I do miss those days where I didn't know, I didn't, where I didn't know your boyfriend existed. Because, like, when I first saw him, like, how the hell am I going to, like, how the hell am I going to compete with that? You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to compete with that? Like, how am I going to bench like that? How am I going to deadlift like that? How am I going to squat like that? Um, yeah. but then I, you know, but then I saw his videos and followed him and he shares information. So that's a, that's a positive social media. Right. Yep. So let me ask you this question because I don't know you personally very, very well. We have limited interactions with each other. And this is something I'm always curious about with high level lifters. How would, from a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your competitiveness? It's an interesting question. I like Thank that. You. I try to ask some interesting ones. I'm not very competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Sean is super, super, super competitive. He has that mentality all year round, 24-7. He's like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to win. Me, it's more of an in-the-moment thing. Mm-hmm. Like, on meet day, I'm a kind of a different person. I'm like, this is my number one priority right now. I'm going to win. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get shit done. Don't talk to me during squats, ever. <laughs> and I'm going to win. But then the second the competition's over, I'm like all happy and giggly again. I'm like, okay, that was fun. Like, let's do it again. Cool. <laughs> so I guess one to 10, I would say hmm, about like average, like six or seven. Okay. I said I would have, like, just based on, because you could kind of tell, I mean, this is all the research I can do for Two White Lights. Go on their social media, Google their name see their competition history, and, like, go from there. Because you really have no clue. But Sean, very easy to tell, he's extremely competitive. Same thing with Russ. Same thing with a lot of lifters. I could tell, based on their social media presence, that they are super competitive. When I look at your page, I'm like, it doesn't seem like the the competitiveness is as high as the other lifters. Um, And But let me ask you this question. So when you first started, rate your competitiveness from 1 to 10. Oh my god, like... Say so your second meet, because the local meet, you know, it's, it's hard to be competitive like your very first meet, because you're probably just so nervous. But like, say your second meet, what would it be from 1 to 10? Okay, so my second meet, I would literally say like a 2. Okay. I was 100% going into this meet to have fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know I won or placed second until like the medals or the award ceremony or whatever. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. But that definitely changed for my third meet, which was Junior Worlds mm-hmm. in Belarus. That yeah. competitiveness was like at a ten. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I and it's like I always tell people it's the same journey for me as well. And I see that with a lot of lifters. because uh, we have a lot of our listeners are beginner lifters or novice lifters who yeah. are probably going to experience the same elevation and competitiveness that you and I did because first meet I just want like I I legit said to my friend I'm like I just want to get a trophy and not bomb out or like not and I said not embarrass myself completely because I was just like that's how and I and I didn't know that there was different divisions so I was like oh I'm getting my ass kicked like I'm not even gonna come and they were telling me like no you're raw lifting like these guys are these guys are equipped like it's completely you're it's a completely different sport like oh okay I guess I'm doing pretty well then but then toward when I, I mean, once I started getting the USAPL, like at the time I was like, okay, it's five. Like I would rate myself as a comp- uh, competitor as five when I first started. Now it's like a 10. Now it's like constant, constant, either seeing what other people do and like, all right, that's what I got to beat. That's, that's where the bar is set. That's where I got to surpass it. Um, would you, would you say that's a healthy or unhealthy thing, that elevation and competitiveness for you? Because it can be unhealthy for some people. I think it was healthy, mm-hmm. for sure. A lot changed from my second meet to my third meet. That is when I definitely just got more serious about powerlifting. That's when I met Sean, and he started coaching me. And I understood what powerlifting was. And I finally understood how good I was at it and how strong I was, I guess. And that's when I started going for, like, that winning mindset and mentality and like getting world records because that that worlds is when I squatted the open world record mm-hmm. and that I had that number like during the entire training um, session going into that meet I was like I'm getting this world record I'm getting this world record every time I stepped into the gym that was on my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, let me let me uh, the transition to the the most recent world competition that IPF World 2019, and I just want to ask you just your experience through it, and it's kind of a broad question because last year around this time I was recording Two White Lights, and the showdown between you and Lawrence was the storyline. That was the one that if you if you walk into Surge, um, the gym I train at, the small powerlifting circles, it was cool to see because they weren't talking about Russ and Gibbs or Atwood and Russ, they were talking about Mello and Lawrence, and I'm like, this is the storyline. This is the story, and powerlifting is zero storylines. 
so I'm like, this is the competition to see, and that's where all eyes were glued to. So, and you killed it. So, how, so describe just uh, your performance, how it all panned out for you, and kind of just being involved in that storyline, if you will. Yeah, I will tell you, even though it was my first time not winning mm-hmm. <laughs> in a long time, I placed second. I, that was the most fun I've ever had competing. I, because since I started, I was always winning much and I need for me, you know, and it was just so exciting being so like neck and neck with someone. It was like, okay, she has me on squads, but I have her on bench. And, and then deadlifts came and I'm like, this is it. Like it's, it's come down to deadlifts. And it was literally like, you pull this or you lose. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I ended up not pulling it, but, <laughs> but it was so much fun, very nerve wracking and, but it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, and the other, what we talked about so much on the show is how close it was. It was seriously a close competition because a lot of times in powerlifting, they talk about com- there being a really competitive weight class and it's not mm-hmm. that competitive. Yeah. Like it's, I, I, and I, and. I guess I'm guilty of this, too, because I, I bring up the men's 74 kg division so much where they talk about how stacked and competitive it is. And it's like, I think the closest Taylor's ever lost to losing is, like, by 15 to 20 kilos. Like, yeah. that's not close to me. That's not that's not really a thing. And between you and Lawrence was, like, a few IPF points. Mm-hmm. Very few yeah. IPF we, points. We, we totaled the same. We tied on total. Yeah. Yep. So I'm like, that's the guys, that's what, that's what being close is like saying like, man, I'm going, I'm gunning after Atwood. It's like, you're 60 kilos away from Atwood, dude. I have a better chance of beating Russ than you do Atwood. Like you do realize that, right? Like you don't see me calling out Russ. You probably shouldn't be calling out Atwood either. But but yeah, I mean, that was, and that's what I think powerlifting needs more of. I, and you can't really force it, but that was one of those things in the sport that I was just as a fan happy to see like people yeah. were glued onto their laptops because it's not televised but their laptops to watch ipf worlds and a lot of people who typically don't watch meets were watching meets i'm one of them like i'll occasionally watch the highlights of meets i'll maybe tune into some but that one i was like all right even though it was at a very unfortunate time but like because you guys were in sweden. sweden yeah yeah, so it was, I mean, it was, it was broadcasted at a very, you know, not opportune time for people who have jobs, but uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome to see, and it, it's awesome to hear that you still had fun, you know, oh, like, yeah, and, and, it, and it seemed that way through, through just your social media, it seemed like you had a really good time um, going through it, so, so let me ask you now, because that was your last meet, I believe, right? Yeah, oh my god, it's been over a year, that's insane. Mm-hmm. So what are the plans for you going forward as far as, like, I know meets right now are probably not happening, or people, are, people aren't too gung-ho about doing any type of meet. They're not really trying to, you know, unless it's just something for their health, mm-hmm. not health, their competition health. Like, just, I need, I need to put in a 1R max just because we need to, we need to know where our 1R max are. But yeah. what are your plans going forward as far as what you want to do within the sport? I am itching to get back on the platform. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe, I never, I mean, obviously no one knew that this whole coronavirus thing was going to happen. So I just did not ever expect to go over a year without competing. That was definitely not the plan mm-hmm. because I didn't do raw nationals last year on purpose. But yeah, I'm excited to get back on the platform. I don't think it'll be anytime soon, really, because even though as much as I do want to compete, I think the next time I want to compete will be <clears throat> as a 76. So I'm waiting for that rule to be in place, that new change. Um, but yeah, I want to, I guess my next big goal or plan is to be a world champion in two different weight classes. Yeah, that would be a pretty sweet goal to have. Um all right, so let me ask you, because I love hypothetical questions that never will happen. If coronavirus didn't happen, what would the plan be? Wow. Well, I would have been, I would have done Sheffield. 
Fucking, I forgot, completely forgot about I, that. I almost oh, forgot about that. Holy shit, that feels like it was 18 years ago. Right? I know. It feels like forever ago. But yeah, hypothetically, oh. if coronavirus never happened, I would have traveled to Sheffield, because it was in Sheffield, the UK, and I would have won, and I would have taken back my title as the 84 queen. Nice. And that would have been my last meet ever as an 84, and then I would have moved on to the 76. Goddamn coronavirus, because that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, the Arnold, because I remember uh, seeing you and Sean at the Arnold, and then this talks around the powerlifting thing of Sheffield's not happening, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense, and we're yeah. all kind of, that, and that seriously feels like Jesus so, so long ago, and it was only in March, that's when Corona, that's when we were actually allowed to do things. Yeah. Too. It was the it was the last time we were allowed to do something the like kind of normal. Uh, yep. <laughs> because and I, I keep on talking about it on the show. I, I, I'm sure listeners are sick of it, but it was it was that, and then we thought we were being safe at the Arnold, and then <laughs> realized two weeks later that we were not being safe at all, and we were being extremely reckless. And I was like, oh, uh oh. Like I might be in trouble here because we're like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll shut down, you know, the spectating, even though my girlfriend was able to get in just by showing her lanyard, uh, we'll shut down the spectating things as far as the city of Columbus, but the bars and restaurants are still open that people flooded to. And I, that was the last time I went into a restaurant and bar without any anxiety at all. Ever since I've gone into a restaurant and bar, I have been extremely anxious and I'm like, let's just get a beer and leave. I don't, I want to drink in my backyard. I could agree with you on that. I think I feel the same. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real shame that didn't uh, didn't happen. And I mean, that would have been the big storyline within this year was Sheffield. I was, yeah, yeah I was really really pumped about that. And it's almost like, yeah, uh, it, it's seriously like ancient history now of people looking forward to the meet. Like I, I had a lot of friends who wanted to do watch parties. Um, I mean. I've, with having a podcast, it would have been great to cover the event in some capacity, get lifters on. Because uh, I had Heather Connor as soon as it was announced that Sheffield was happening. Uh, she came on just as like how it felt to be invited to what I like compared to as the Olymp- uh, like Mr. Olympia or Mrs. Olympia of powerlifting. Yeah. Like it was this one of a kind event, and you know, um, uh, hopefully it happens again though. I because I still yeah. think that type of me. I mean, because you're easily one of the lifters that is that would be in it that would be included in it so hopefully that could that that there's no reason for it not to happen again yeah i really hope they make it happen because like you said it was a -a one-of-a-kind thing nothing like that had ever been done before in the usapl or ipf Mm -hmm. and you know it would have been nice to win some money (laughs) for once (laughs) Yeah, um, that was that that was something that I was just so excited to see how lifters would elevate their game because money's involved. Like, what would the strategy be if money's involved? Because I think right now, how you look at USAPL meets, so like the Arnold, you know, you could maybe call it in on your third deadlift just to help your total out and see if you can get yourself in the top 10 for prime time, you know, so your strategy changes. But for this one, it's just this meet is just this meet. Yeah. It's the the only way you're really going to win is if you're the best and the only way you're going to win money if you are the best at something. So the strategy just might be insane. There might be some really cool uh, attempt selection or attempt changes like as they, as it pans out. So Hopefully, hopefully, because talking about it like constantly makes me like realize that uh, we there was a big it was a big what could have been in powerlifting this year. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm saying that as a person who's just gonna watch it, you were actually gonna compete in it, so I should probably <laughs> like chill on the whole uh, on uh, shedding so much light on it. But no, I agree though. <laughs> yeah. So. Let me ask you, I, and I love asking uh, lifters, especially with a high caliber, this question. If there's one cha- thing you can change in powerlifting, what would it be? And very broad question, but you could you could take that any way you want. Like rules, culture, how lifters act, how meet directors act. 
It's a dangerous question. <laughs> well, if you, and if yeah, you, and that's, I mean, that's how we get our ratings. If I ask yeah. questions that are possibly controversial, so. A few months ago, if you would have asked me, I probably would have mentioned like the weight class change mm -hmm. for the females at least. But now that that's. Well, let me ask you this, because this is a question I haven't asked in a while. What's your biggest pet peeve about powerlifting? What, what are the things that powerlifters do that annoys the shit out of you? I have so many. You know when, like, someone asks you your favorite song and then you automatically just forget every single song you've ever listened yeah. to in your life? This is what's happening to me right now. Yeah, and this, is, and this is the question, I think, Noriega, I mean, because Noriega, a fucking... Anything could annoy that guy. So he probably has, like, he probably has, like, you know, a whole arsenal of the shit he would want to rant about. So he was stuck on this, too. Everyone gets stuck on this one because they, it's like trying to decide between their favorite Eminem. Like, they can't really do it. Like, they can't, it's, it's almost impossible. But you could have time to think about it. Because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those lifters who has thousands. I get on, you know, my dickish rants all the time. Where re recently mine was, uh, like, people. People complaining that con like meat prep is a is somewhat something of a sacrifice that it's like that that's my new pet peeve because I saw someone recently post like thanks for dealing with me uh, thanks for dealing with me without meat prep I'm like who the fuck is dealing with you with meat prep dude you're just you're working out a little harder than usual yep that's so true. Yeah, so that's my, I mean, if you would ask me, like, six months ago, it would have been something completely different, but that one is, like, good God, like, saying that it's a sacrifice and it's such a difficult thing as meat prep is insanity. You're just, you're lifting weights and then you water cut, and I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I agree, I agree. It definitely has something to do with, like, just, like, powerlifters and, like, their lingo. You know, when, like... They just, there's like one word and then they use that one word and they like run it into the ground and they use it for fucking everything. I can't think of an example, but you know oh, what I'm talking about. Oh, dude, you can't think of an example? I can think of 9,000. I know exactly what we're talking They're like, USAPL powerlifters are like middle schoolers who just find a new joke and they fucking ruin it for everyone. Yes. They, yes. Middle schoolers ruin, like when I was in middle school... Uh, the Chappelle show was on. Um, I'm a little older, so Chappelle show was on, and they would just constantly say, "I'm Rick James, bitch," and then to a point, it's like this isn't funny anymore. Yep. Or uh, like the uh, like uh, like that's what she said, and they would constantly say, "It's like okay, it's not funny anymore." Or you played yourself. Okay, you guys ruined it. You guys ruined things that were once funny now, and I I could I could think of boys. B o i z. Yeah. 74 yeah. kg boys. Oh, hey, yes. Or, or water cut boys or uh, what's what's uh what's another one? O over overshoot boys. Oh my god, yes. By the way, I think uh I again, I, I hate to bring up like the seventh time, but I think Sean is like he he's the cult leader of, you know, like if if he says something a USAPL junior is going to ruin it for nine for like yep. the entire population. Yes. 100%. Let's see. Easy peasy. That's another easy. one I hate. Yeah. I used to say that. I'm not going to lie. And yeah, then... We're, we're all guilty of it. We're, I mean, oh, it's... We're yeah. all guilty of some, like, douchey power... power. That's that's what is the great thing about pet peeves. Yeah. You know another thing? Like, why do powerlifters talk about poop so much? And, like, farting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know... I think... Here's the th here's what I think. I think you just the powerlifting is from the age demographic of 18 through 28 year old males, mm -hmm. and that's just kind of what dudes talk about. Oh, so it's just dudes in general, not it's guys. It's guys being dudes. Okay. Yeah, just because guys well, being dudes, dude stuff. Even though I yeah, fart humor to me, I really don't. I guess I'm not guilty of that a lot, but uh, yeah, I I could see that. that like everyone talks, or yeah, like powerlifting. What I do know, this is not a pet peeve. Powerlifters shit themselves a lot, like yeah, literally. I heard that they do, yeah. I because in the gym they're like, "Oh, dude, I almost shit myself." I'm like, "Guys, how does this happen?" I'm like, "I right. feel, I feel like I'm a guy who lifts a lot of weight." <laughs> you are. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like, I feel, I feel like I'm a guy. I'm like, I have never come close to pooping myself once, 
lifting weights. And apparently, I mean, Garrett, like, he tells me he shits himself all the time, which is, this is hilarious to me, but he does. I don't know who it is. I'm like, do you guys have some sort of, like, intestinal issues? I, maybe it's a diet, the high protein diet. Um, maybe it's because me, I'm just eating, like, normally, like how I always eat. Like, I don't really have, like, a super high pro, like, I think I would eat, like, 170 to 180 grams of protein a day, which isn't that much, like, compared to other powerlifters. I don't know. Yeah, that happens a lot, and I'm like, do you guys just have really loose buttholes? Like, what's... That, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do, and that's a, that's a good question to pose. Do powerlifters have loose buttholes? And why right. is it loose? What's going on there? Because, especially, I mean, I'm not going to ask what's going on in their love lives, but what transpired do you have a loose butthole? It's a valid question. Yeah. I might start asking. You should. Yeah, I might just start asking. Like, so what's what's the deal with you constantly shitting yourselves on deadlifts? Uh, <laughs> is it just a loose, loose buttholes? And I get that. And I get, like, if I go on a Q&A on Instagram, I get that question, too. Is like, ever shit yourself on squats? I'm like, no. What the oh, fuck I is wrong? I'm potty trained. I'm potty trained. Yeah, I think it's just like... Um, them trying to be funny and, like, get me, I'm like, wait, is this, if this is a serious question, like, because people have said they have before, I'm like, I don't get it. And then as I say this, it's probably going to happen to me, and I'm going to get really embarrassed, so <laughs> I, I should knock on wood to make sure. Oh, man. Talking about loose buttholes with Danny Mello should be your title for this podcast. It's going to be bought up in the taglines, for sure. Um, I'm going to, I mean, if I want ratings grab, probably the first thing I, I should put on the thing. Yeah. Like, this conversation turned into loose buttholes around 39 minutes in, so you guys want to tune in. You know how King of Lifts does their thing, like how they always advertise, like, yeah. you know, the shows of what someone says and how they try to grab the ratings? This is definitely number one highlight. And we and we covered it uh, 39 minutes in. But, yeah, what the, the pet peeve thing with the powerlifter, I think USAPL guys can be – because I'm, I'm about to actually make a meme about this. Like, after this interview is done, I'm posting the meme of – you know, the constant anime references, the constant headband wearing, the constant, like, things that they do. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... And here's another one where you said, why are they obsessed with farting and pooping? What's with, like, the constant, like, references to porn? Yeah. Is everyone in USAPL addicted to porn? Dude, I, I think it's a powerlifting thing because... Those USPA boys and they all—they all wear those shirts too. You know which one I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, like Arm Hub or whatever. Yeah, it's something like that. But it's just—it's not cute. I don't—I don't understand it. Uh, another pet peeve of mine. I made fun of this. I'm like having a shirt, like having one of those super explicit shirts and wearing it in public. Yeah. Like those and powerlifters do that a lot. And I, I made fun of this with Garrett Fear. I think before is like. Sure to say, like, must be the trend. And it's like a syringe kind of thing. I'm like, guys, you're going to just wear that shit in public? Like, just advertise that? I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it's almost like a political bumper sticker. Uh Uh-huh, yep. Do you just want people to get pissed off at you, like, while you're walking? Yeah. Like, you could support whoever the fuck you want and put, I'm like, but if you had to advertise, I'm like, you're just looking for an argument, and I'm just going to classify you as a douchebag immediately. 100%. Yep. So, those are some good pet peeves. Anything, anything else there? Uh, nothing else comes to mind at the moment. Because, uh, and, uh, Kemen. Kemen was another one. I was going to bring that one up, yeah, but then I kind of felt bad because my boyfriend really still uses that a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, so it's one of those things when he uses it, it's good, and then when, uh, other people use it, like, to nauseam, it's like, all right, now it's, again, not funny. Because he says it. Because I remember talking to him, because it was a Lane Norton thing. I'm not going to get into the whole story of why Kemen is a thing. and Because Nori, you know, shed light on it. But it was Lane Norton was competing at Raw Nationals. And um, the, the running joke was Lane Norton was my unofficial coach. Didn't know I existed because I followed his online program for, like, my entire life. Um, so he's like, you're going to watch your coach chem all over the platform? And I thought it was, I, I started laughing really like this. For some reason, that sounds so much funnier when you say it. It was fucking hilarious. Like, chem all over the uh. <laughs> oh, I still laugh about it, so that's good. That's, that, that's how you know it's a good joke. Oh, 
Um, and and also, again, yeah, yeah. sorry to do this constantly, but uh, after you made that uh, Instagram video of how Noriega slid into your DMs and what he said, yes, I had to one, like, as soon as you did, I'm like, oh, he doesn't know what he just did. He has no idea what he just did. He is going to have a bunch of USAPL 20 through 23-year-olds DM every single girl in the USAPL who's mildly attractive or just any sort of, like, they're going to ask her what her rack height is. And he, I'm like, he just inadvertently ruined the days of, like, 17 really pretty USAPL lifters. <laughs> Oh man, well, I'm just gonna be honest, like most, at least from the DMs that I've gotten, those USAPL boys, they're not that smooth anyways. Oh, so, <laughs> those girls are probably used to getting weird DMs. Yeah, um, that's, I, I, I've gone on rants about this before of like, I think it's an age thing, but like, do you guys know how to talk to women? Are you guys afraid of women? Mm-hmm. No. They are. Yeah, it seems like they're really scared of, I'm like, hold on, also, I have to have, like, because I, I, I know a lot of super single um, USAPL guys, like, super single USAPL guys. First single. Yeah, very, like, like the most single people you're ever going to meet, um, Gage Carrion, and they, 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 it, like, we talk, I'm like, have you guys, like, tried talking to girls who don't lift weights? Have you have you ever gone to like a like a library, or a bar, or a park? Library. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, and like anything that you might meet new people who aren't going to be powerlifters. You know what I mean? Like, library might be one of those places that you might meet a person who's just an accountant, or a college student, or a library. I don't know, fucking library the teacher. I don't know anything. You guys ever tried doing that? Because maybe you would just start getting an understand understanding of like the world around powerlifting, right? <laughs> Where not everyone, like not all your conversations are going to be dictated based off of squat, bench, and deadlift. <laughs> yep. You, you know, this might be some great. Like, can you like? Is there any advice you would give uh, single USAPL lifters? <laughs> Um, don't try too hard. Mm. You know what I mean? Because, so if I can tell if someone, if like a guy is trying too hard, especially trying too hard to be funny, I definitely won't respond. Okay. Like, you know, those, although I, I get these all the time, <laughs> these DMs that they're like, they send an emoji, like, like a dog or something. And they'll be like, oh, sorry, my dog just ran into your DMs. Hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, God, don't ever do that. I will never respond, and most girls will not respond to that. Or like, this one guy sent me a picture. I'm not kidding. He sent me a picture of a couch, and he said, hey, little mama, I'm moving in. <laughs> and I was like, this... It's a joke. Like this, is he being serious? Oh my god! Oh my god! It was it was pretty funny, actually. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I mean, yeah. at least to me. Oh, all right. Well, hold on. I'm laughing really hard at the first thing because <laughs> I did something very similar to oh. this. But here's the caveat to it. Right here. Yeah, huh? That's it. <laughs> I did something very similar, but <laughs> as you say, no girl will ever respond. We we he responded. Is we this went on, like your now girlfriend? No. Oh, okay. Which, which is, oh, which might, uh, which might bring more, like, evidence that it doesn't work because this obviously didn't work out between that girl. So okay. maybe it's like the fact that she responded to it probably is a bad sign. But I didn't right. do the dog. Okay. I did a baseball, and I said, and "Hey, my, my ball." Thing was gonna be like a ball, like yeah. they send a ball or a dog or something. Yeah, I'm like, hey, my ball, my my ball landed in your DMs. I'm just getting it back, and we went out on a date. A date. So I'm one for one using that line. I'm betting a thousand, like it. But, but it I only used it out. once. It didn't work out. No, and 
yeah, it like th- that was probably the sign that it was probably just not the best girl to date because um, she responded to the DM and didn't call me a douchebag. Exactly. But it did work. I I will say it worked though. I do. I'm I'm not gonna suggest that line to anyone. But uh, also, here's the thing. I also had a reason to believe that she actually liked me. That's, a, that, that's another thing. That's another thing that people don't that people don't realize. Like, yeah. is there any signs that a girl might actually be into you? If, there, if there's no signs of that, maybe you shouldn't just be a blind dick in space and send DMs, like, every which way you can see if one sticks. Um, so there's that, too. So if you're going to send a really cringy... Because... Whenever, like, uh, people tell me about, like, their DM experience, and they tell me, I'm like, I've, it's like, every guy is guilty of sending at least one super cringe DM, but when they leave you on scene, that's it. Yep. That's, that's, the the cringe DM is over because they left you on scene. Just know, if you ever plan to DM a girl, type out the message, and then ask yourself, is this cringy? (laughs) <laughs> and if you hesitate for even a split second, don't send that DM. <laughs> yeah, I like that. But, but all right, hold on. But let's be real here. Noriega's rack height thing wasn't much better than a lot of okay, things. Okay, <laughs> it was super creepy. Like it really was. But it was. I was. It was a different time back then. <laughs> you know. Wait, when's back I then? How long? Uh, how long have you guys been dating? Like almost four years. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. That's that's a long time. You're yeah, right. Yeah, it was right after um, Raw Nationals, my first Raw Nationals. So it was 2016. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know what it meant, dude. I'm like, what? Why is he asking my rack height? Like, is he trying to like figure out if I'm taller than him? Like, is he is he really short? Like, should I answer? <laughs> like, I didn't. <laughs> But I answered, and the rest is history. So. Yeah, and, and th- we have Powerlifting's first couple. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's it's great that you responded. So, circling back to uh, things that actually relate to powerlifting, i uh, got to ask this question. Even though, yeah, I, I just, that was really fun. Um, and I think we've helped a lot of uh, possible potential USAPL juniors right now. Absolutely. So that's good. But as far as a person like you, who's, one, an incredible lifter, very well documented, incredible lifter, and also segueing their success into a large social media platform. And you've had incredible influence on other lifters as well throughout that time. What would your what would you like your legacy to be in powerlifting when it's all said and done? Like what impact do you want to leave on the sport? Like what do I want to be known for? Yeah. That's that's yeah. A, that's a good way putting a lot of those words that I just used into one really great sense. That was that. What do you want to be known for? (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe a few things. Cause like I said, I do want to be a world champion in different weight classes. Mm -hmm. So I think something like that, but also when I first started lifting, I, grew up and I think it has a lot to do with where I'm from Miami like just my environment I really thought that women shouldn't lift weights Mm. like that was what I was told my whole life like your classic like lifting is for boys and whatever and I'm actually kind of surprised I made it this far because back when I started lifting it really seemed like everyone was telling me no don't do this like, even that day that I deadlifted 315 for the first time, I'll never forget this, the owner of the gym walked up to me, and he was like, you shouldn't be lifting that heavy. Which was, like, amazing, because, number one, his wife was, like, this super intimidating bodybuilder. Like, she was a legit bodybuilder. And I'm like, you're telling me I can't deadlift 315? And I was like... 16, 17 at the time. So, you know, that was like super scary. I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't be lifting this. But anyways, back to the point. I didn't have anyone really, especially a woman, telling me that I can and should do this. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have someone that I could like 
look up to. And like I mentioned before, like social media wasn't like for powerlifting as big as it is now back then. So I didn't have someone telling me like, this is okay. And you should do this. Like you're, this is going to make you feel so much better about yourself. This is going to make you feel healthier mentally, physically. So I would like to be that person for other females, mm-hmm. especially younger females. Yeah, that's 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 a really awesome goal to have. And I think, because, I mean, legacy is usually portrayed as something that's really far in the future, you know, like something you want to accomplish when it's all said and done. But I think you you already did that. You know, like, I, and, and I'm going to bring the evidence to that is, Female powerlifters, like in this sport, or people within the sport, they could, they're the main event a lot of the times. And and I use the example of you and Lawrence, where that was, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, the main event of IPF Worlds. And at the current Raw Open, it was Mariana and Steffi. Mm-hmm. And I think if they watch your videos, and and this is this, and this is another thing, they are watching your videos. If they have an uh, an interest in lifting weights, they're watching. They're probably going to start following Daniela Mello. They they will do that, and they're going to be lifting weights because of you. And this this change is happening now. It's it's currently happening where I see more females in the gym. I see more females competing. I see more females loving competing too, like liking it way more than they thought they would or that was anticipated four years ago. We're, we're talking about a very short history. Just four years ago, there's been a boom in female lifters, and I'm very safely going to assume that they're following your page. You know what I mean? Or someone else's page that's very similar to yours. Yeah. So I think you already have that effect. You've already, you've already accomplished that. Because, I, I mean, I could, even, I could even do it now. If there's a girl at... Surge right now, who's a really big power lifter, and I go to who she's following, or if I ask her, who are some females that you look up to and admire in the sport, they're, you're probably going to be one of the five that they mentioned, or one of the four that they mentioned. They're going to say Daniela Mello, Steffi Cohen, um, uh, Amanda Lawrence, and, you know, and or Heather Connor or something. Like, they, they, would, they would mention those lifters. So I think, yeah, I think... You're almost you're almost at your legacy. <laughs> how, does it, how does it feel? You almost, you almost accomplished your legacy here. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a it's a cool feeling. It's something that I'll never get used to. It whenever I if I see someone at a meet and they come up to me and they're like, "I started powerlifting because of you," or "I look up to you so much." Mm-hmm. I'm just like, "Whoa, man, <laughs> that's crazy!" Like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, like like I see and I see a lot of my Instagram feed. Like you know, people who I. Uh, associate with at the gym or females I associate with the gym like there's there's little things too you could tell that's a big influence like for for like say a person like me where I'm kind of like in the sport of powerlifting and only really people in the sport of powerlifting would really appreciate the things that I do like someone else would be like all right this fucking guy's just you know kind of a dick or he's, he's, he's right he's just lifting weights that's all he's doing but like when people repost you and I see females repost you, it's, you know, just a picture of you and it just says, like, goals, hard eyes. Or, like, the flame emoji. Like, that's a completely different influence. That's, like, that's like what Russ, like, people would do that with Russ. Like, guys would do that with Russ. Where there's a difference between a powerlifter's powerlifter and a powerlifter who kind of broadens their horizon of influence. And yeah. I think you're one of the female lifters who, who does that. You and Steffi Cohen. I would put you you guys one and two on that. Because I see a lot with Steffi Cohen too where people are just reposting her just doing normal things and like just her captions like, Oh my god, she's gold, she's amazing. And yeah. I, I'd say I'd say I guess you you would be the natty equivalent to that. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I'm and I I think I'm speaking facts when I say that. <laughs> like I, I I talk out of my ass a lot, but I think that's that and you have your page is what over a hundred thousand followers like it you ain't gonna get a hundred thousand followers just by motivating powerlifters yeah i could agree with that you know what i mean because like quite the n- niche sport yeah so yeah. if you're broadening a bot beyond that you're 
you're reaching just people who like working out and just want to create a change. So, so again, uh, ha I guess like uh, three quarters of a congratulations to you because there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to work to be done. So, <laughs> all right. So we are nearing 60 minutes on this interview. Here is a segment that I like playing. It's called word association. It's completely improvised. I think of these on the spot as the show goes on. Um, I give you a word and you give me the first word that comes to mind or, okay. all right. So squat. Bench. See, this happens a lot. Bench. <laughs> Deadlift. Deadlift. All right. So USAPL. Powerlifting. Okay. IPF. Why is it so hard? Travel. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's quite obvious. You have to travel those goddamn meets. Yeah, you're right. Um, Amanda Lawrence. Enemy. Enemy. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we, yeah, we share an enemy, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess I'll tell you after the show. Uh, <laughs> um, 76 kg. Soon to be champ. Ooh, like that. And I like how you didn't use one word there. Uh, very good. Pets. Pets? Yes. Love. How about monkey? Are you taking this somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking, are you going to get a pet monkey? Yes. The answer is yes, I'm getting a pet monkey. And there's nothing that Sean Noriega can say. To stop me. <laughs> yes. I'm so, when I, I'm like, that would be the greatest pet of all time. I can't think, I mean, dogs are amazing, but goddamn, okay. having a little spider monkey walk around would be the greatest thing in my life. Right? I had, I had, when I was in Dominican Republic, I was a kid, and this spider monkey came on my shoulder and hugged me. I'm like, I'm keeping it, right? This is happening. He he hugged me by the neck like he was holding on to me. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing of all time. Yeah, I never let go. Yeah. And, it was, and I was like a middle school kid. So I was like, you know, how middle school boys are. They're just like super angry and like uh, weird. And their hormones are all over the place. At that moment, I couldn't even act tough. Like, I had a monkey hugging me. I'll hurt you. I don't yeah. blame you. Um, Sean Noriega. Uh, my best friend. Oh, that's so cute. Um, I think I'm running out of words here. Diet. Pain. And what... Have you ever water cut before? Yeah. Oh, God, you have worse of both worlds then. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, so... How, like... Let me, let me, let me do another one. Food. Yummy. Because I've talked to a lot of lifters, and there's, like, to a point that they start hating food. Yeah. Like, the guys who have to eat, like, guys and girls who have to eat a lot, they're like, food just doesn't even taste that good anymore, you know? Like, like it doesn't have the same effect that it used to. Like, my, I guess, I don't want to say unhealthy relationship with food, because people actually have an unhealthy relationship with food. So, I think that would be going a little bit overboard with saying that, but just, like, the day that a cheeseburger doesn't taste really good to me is a day that I'm dreading. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I gotta eat, I gotta eat this double cheeseburger now. <laughs> no, yeah. I think when I'm close to a composition and I'm like, I'm prepping for meat, I kind of have this, Sean will know what I'm talking about because he calls it this like fifth gear where mm -hmm. my mind just like switches and I get like super focused and in the zone for those few months leading into a meet. And at that point, I pretty much only see food as like fuel to my body. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't think that way year round. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there does come a point where I'm just like, I eat this to lift better. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean on that. Cause I mean, well, again, like me, I never have to weight cut. Um, I'm never. I'm not a weight cut person. Not a weight gain. I mean, I guess I'm trying to gain weights, but it's it's really if it's super slow and linear, it's not it's not that hard to do. But once yeah. competition kind of hits, it's like I stopped drinking one, which is um, my sacrifice. Is I stopped having beer for about two weeks and then complain about it, um, which probably should get that checked out as um, a problem, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like that's, uh, but it, like it kind of, I no longer really want it either. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of want to, I kind of just want to do things that's best going to help my performance. Same thing with food, really. Like yeah. same thing with going out with restaurants, even though I'm at a luxury to eat at restaurants, but you know, drinking, I, I guess drinking would be the big thing where it's like, you're, you're cutting that out of your diet. Cause it does, it does have an effect on training occasionally. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's been over 60 minutes. This has been really, really, really fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Told you. It'll turn into us shooting the shit. Yeah. No, that was fun. All right. So where can, even though if you follow Two White Lights, you probably follow Danielle Mello already, but where can people find you, say, on Instagram? If you have any other thing you want to plug right now, this is your opportunity. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is just at Daniela Mello. I do have a YouTube channel that I have not uploaded a video in a really long time. Mm-hmm. But hopefully I will be back on YouTube soon. So check me out there and subscribe. Yeah, YouTube's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone, I just had like two two or three like YouTube guys on the show consecutively. And they're just mm-hmm. telling me how much it's really, really difficult uploading shit yes. out to YouTube. So, um, yes. Which I think I think you're just fine on Instagram. Honestly. I don't think you really need the other tool of uh, YouTube. But thank you again for coming on the show. Um, this you have been requested before to come on the show. This is a long time coming. So thank you for uh, coming on Two White Lights. Hopefully I have you on again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. No problem, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.